Welcome to Star Trek Story, Myth, and Arcs podcast. It's five-year mission to explore Star Trek arcs and themes, seek out new story directions, and boldly tell stories that no one has told before. Hailing frequencies open, sir. Back with me on Star Trek Story, Myth, and Arcs is Red Ranger, who you might remember from Tom Ranger from (laughs) our episode with the hardcore vocalist talking about Star Trek. And I'm going to pitch to Tom my pitch for the fourth Kelvin movie, the fourth Star Trek movie in the Kelvinverse timeline, because Tom was my target audience when I started thinking about it, because I know he's a big fan of the Kelvin movies, and more so than I am, actually. (laughs) So I thought he would be a good person to pitch. Now, one of the reasons why this came up is there was recently an article in Forbes.com that um, uh, their entertainment writer, Scott Mendelson, wrote about the fact that Emma Watts, who just took over Paramount Pictures uh, after having left Fox, said her main priority is fixing the Star Trek film franchise. So Star Trek Beyond made $338 million at the box office, but was considered a bust, which is Hmm. crazy because its budget was only $158 million and it made 185 domestically and made $383 million. You'd think that'd be enough, but uh, for some reason that was considered um, below expectations. Um, personally, I think Star Trek works better on TV uh, and the small screen and I like what Kurtzman and crew are doing on TV, but if you're gonna do another Kelvin movie, this is how I think you should do it. Uh, there are a couple keys. Now, they came close to making a movie with Quentin Tarantino where he was basically going to reboot the Yesterday's Enterprise episode of uh, Next Generation with Kirk's father. But Chris Hemsworth and Chris Pine, both having become big movie stars since then, made it too expensive because getting them back was a lot of money and the studio balked at that. Um, then they came close to making a movie with Noah Hawley, who just made Lucy in the Sky with Natalie Portman, uh, but is most well known for being the showrunner of the excellent Fargo series on mm. FX and is a great writer, but he wanted a whole new crew. I'm here for a Noah Hawley movie about a whole new crew, <laughs> but apparently Paramount was not. Um, so key number one is that this movie must retain the Kelvin verse tone and energy and i personally feel that the cerebral approach to star trek is better but if you're going to write a kelvin verse movie you got to maintain the tone so i'm trying to do that with this here pitch um and i think beyond was a little closer to marrying the two but it's one of the reasons why i like star trek beyond the third one more than um i think some people did uh key number two the film should not be super expensive <laughs> Um, we learned the lesson from Rathacon with standing sets and uh, a lot less special effects in the motion picture. We still got a better movie. Um, so I think that that lesson uh, can be applied here. But speaking of Rathacon, key number three, you need that same level of villain, but not exactly the same villain. <laughs> it was the mistake that Into Darkness made. We need a con-level villain, probably somebody from the original series. But since it's a fourth Kelvinverse movie, you have to tie this in to the Kelvinverse themes and stories, and hopefully back to the first Kelvin film, 
So that's something that I wanted to do. So stick around and listen to hear how, um, how I tied those two together. Um, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, that also brings me to one of the keys, which is that you need to tie the arcs and themes back to the beginning of the Kelvin verse um, storyline, which was something that Quentin Tarantino smartly wanted to do with his uh, retelling of yesterday's Enterprise. Um, which, if you think about that episode, that's the one where Tasha Yar and the Enterprise C goes back and they know they're going to go back and die, but they have to to maintain the timeline. So it was pretty smart of Quentin to want to bring Kirk's father back from the first film for that storyline, but which is coincidentally Quentin Tarantino's favorite episode of any Star Trek is that episode of Next Generation. Wow. Yesterday's Enterprise. He's said that many times. Um, Key number five is that the story should honor and explain Chekhov's absence. Um, the, the producers of, of the Kelvinverse movie said that they would not recast Chekhov. And if you're going to not recast him, which I agree is the right decision, um, you need to honor the fact that he's gone and that needs to work into the story and be part of the arc. So key number six is a Roddenberry sense of the Federation. Now, a lot of fans did not like that the Federation was in peril in uh, Star Trek Picard, but um, tough shit, I'm gonna do it again. Um, <laughs> because the Federation being in peril is how your heroes test themselves. And, um, but in the end, we wanna have some uh, positive affirming, uh, affirming of the Federation values, and we're gonna do that here. And the final and hardest key is this. It's impossible to keep all Star Trek fans happy. Um, just Kurtzman and crew are figuring that out with the three new shows. You're not going to keep everyone happy, but I think the priority should be the mass appeal of the Kelvin films um, in this case. And that's not me as a, as, as a Star Trek viewer. Um, and this isn't necessarily the ultimate Star Trek story I would want to tell. This is the Star Trek story that I think works for the Kelvin verse. So mm. that's so next is going to be my pitch for Star Trek Vulcan's Forge. Uh, Tom, do you have any thoughts on those keys? Is there anything you think I'm missing? No, I think they're all sound pretty solid. Okay. And I think if you if you can and it's, that's a lot to address. And I, <laughs> I'm interested. I'm interested to, to hear how you want to touch on all those bases. Right. And uh, now you're, you, you mentioned to me earlier when we were talking that, that you think that the, the, the energy is very different. You recently watched Rathacon and Search for Spock mm -hmm. and comparing the different energies, you think that comes down to a difference in the style of acting between now and then? Yeah, I think that, the, you know, you can obviously see a, a, a pacing difference in movies in general you know, from now into the earlier mid eighties. And um, I think that what happens is, is with the newer films, um, it, you're automatically gonna be taken aback if you're a longtime Star Trek fan to have new actors playing already established characters by, by really other phenomenal actors. Mm -hmm. And I had mentioned to you that the, the style of acting, I think, uh, kind of throws some people off in, in the fact that when you're William Shatner, you have a truth and it's, it's grounded in your Star Trek reality. 
but it's a just a hair, a tiny bit, or sometimes with him, a good amount over the top. Right. And, it, and he's and he sells that. And you also see it with with Spock. You see it with uh, DeForest Kelly's portrayal of McCoy. Um, but with some of the the, the newer actors, where where like a naturalism, where something is grounded in a reality, um, they they ground it like um, they were doing a, a, a drama, and it, it kind of ignore the, for lack of I'm not putting it down, but the the, the ridiculousness of just being I, I'm in outer space, and you know I'm I'm not an astronaut. It's not like a hard sci-fi film. Like I'm floating through space on this giant living quarters and there's monsters on planets that can make me time travel and you know things like that and I, I think sometimes uh, that could kind do, of throw throw some people off I do think Star Trek Beyond did that a little better by opening with the boredom on the Enterprise mm -hmm. that, that, that they they showed that everybody was kind of bored with the mission and being in deep space forever um, and I did really appreciate that um, all right. Oh, and one last key that I did not mention is that with all Star Trek films, all the crew members have to play a role and have to have a significant role. Uh, yeah. And now, especially with John Cho and um, uh, Zoe Saldana becoming bigger stars, um, mm -hmm. I worked very hard to make sure that Scotty, Simon Pegg, um, Sulu, and Uhura all play very significant roles in the story. So let's. Oh, it's excellent. Yeah, so we open on a Vulcan refugee colony as it is being raided by Orion pirates. So we start right with, with action. It hmm. looks hopeless as, the, uh, as um, a whole fleet of Orion ships appear in orbit and they're taking advantage of the, the, the Vulcan refugees who are trying to set up new Vulcan um, or one of the new Vulcan's um, colonies. The Enterprise warps in um, and is taking fire. And at first, we just see the Enterprise. We don't see who's, you know, we just see the Enterprise warping into action. We enter tight on the bridge, tight on Sulu. The camera pulls back to show that Sulu is in the captain's chair. Mm. We ask Scotty to beam a security team waiting in the transporter room to beam through a cycle of five-second windows as they blink the shields in and out in a very dangerous scenario in order to not take fire from the Orion ships, but get uh, security teams down to the planet to engage the Orion pirates. Mm. At the same time, Uhura uses a fake signal to momentarily trick the Orions that an entire fleet of Federation ships are coming. Um, as they back off, they give the order to beam their soldiers out. Sulu joins the security team on the planet and int introduces himself as Captain Sulu. Oh, wow. And, uh, um, this small group of Vulcans are very thankful, but there's a young Vulcan woman watching the scene. And this young Vulcan woman, I would cast with the actor Tatiana Malzani from Orphan Black. Um, you need a very strong um, actor for this role. She mm. played five characters on Orphan Black. She's an incredible <laughs> actor. Yeah. Um, but she's going to play a very stern um Vulcan woman, uh, and she watches for a bit, but <laughs> aren't, aren't they all? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As she's walking, we get flashes, flashbacks to her last day on Vulcan and the trauma that it causes her. Um, her family is at home, a planetary alert is signaled, and as she's beamed out at the last second, she's the only member of her family that survives, and she ends up on a Vulcan spacecraft looking out the window at the Enterprise as it warps away. 
And so you have that in the back of, of, of her memory. She joins a group of Vulcans that are waiting in meditation as one Vulcan, an older man, an older Vulcan man gives a speech talking about the failures of the Federation, how the Federation is to blame for the death of Vulcan, um, how logic dictates that the Federation um, is dangerous, that um, the logical conclusion is that um, Vulcan has only the Federation to blame. Um, this same Vulcan, uh, um, then we cut to Sulu meeting with the Vulcan ambassador who runs the colony. And he said, and this Vulcan very bluntly asks where Captain Kirk is. Mm. And Sulu says, uh, um, he's, um, I'm captain of the Enterprise now. And then he says, um, he should, the Vulcan very bluntly says in a Vulcan way, he should still be captain. <laughs> and, uh, um, and then Sulu says, well, I'm sure he's doing something very important. To which we cut to another planet where Kirk is in a bar romancing a very drunk woman. Mm. Um, she is named River, and he steals her command pad. Um, he, and we realize that he's not as drunk as he appeared. He sneaks away to the docking bay where he's about to steal her ship when she shows up, also not as drunk as she appeared, with a phaser on him and arrests him. Oh, and wow. He's a part of Starfleet security. Um, or she shows a badge from Starfleet security. We cut back to the Enterprise about to warp out when the Vulcan rebel led by the rebels led by the woman we see um, take a bunch of uh, Enterprise red shirts hostage. We find out that they're logic extremists. Once the woman um, takes, basically they end up taking the Enterprise hostage. They beam onto the Enterprise and they have a system of industrial transporters which beam out the crew of the hmm. Enterprise and they take the bridge of the Enterprise. At the last moment, realizing what's happened, Sulu, Scotty, and Uhura manage to get themselves into a shuttle bay, into the shuttle bay, into a shuttle, turn on the shields, and are able to block being beamed out. But the Vulcans know they're there, so they attack the shuttle. The Scotty, Sulu, and Uhura have to take the shuttle off the Enterprise. Well, the Vulcans you you know give a speech from the 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 uh, bridge of the Enterprise that. Um, they're taking the fight to the Federation and uh, Sulu, Scotty, and Uhura have to sneak back onto the Enterprise in a dangerous maneuver, hiding inside the warp bubble of the Enterprise inside hmm. the shuttle. Uh, this is all going to be lots of action and it gives lots of scenes for Scotty, Sulu, and Uhura to work together. Um, and so I appreciate that. But after this scene happens, we cut back to bones mm. and he's in a bar watching the speech that the vulcan woman gives from the bridge of the enterprise which has been beamed out to the entire federation putting them on notice mm. bones then walks out of the bar and walks to the ship where kirk is being it has been captured and you realize quickly that bones hired the woman <laughs> to arrest oh, wow. kirk and um hands over a bag of latinum and then her name's river and she says i like him leonard um starfleet knows where they are river went to academy with bones and and kirk 
Um, although Bones knew her better, obviously Kirk didn't recognize her. And then Bones goes to Kirk, who's like in the in the cell, and he says, "Jim, you're going to get yourself killed, and I'm not going to. I was going to let you dry out, but my timetable moved up." And then he says, uh, "Bones, I have no business returning to Starfleet." And McCoy laughs and says, "Yeah, not looking like that." Hmm. And then he says, "Jim, you got to realize Chekhov's death was not your fault." Oh. And then he says, "Should have been me, Bones." And obviously I'm doing like the very bare bones, like mm -hmm. you got a written dialogue if we <laughs> wrote it out. Then he says, Bull, Chekhov didn't give his life so you could drink yourself to death. Sulu needs you now. The Federation needs you now. And then he says, well, I need a ship. I won't be picking pockets on an Orion asteroid if I had one. And then uh, Bones is gonna stand up, open the cell, and then open a window to show that they're at warp already. Mm. And he's going to say, it's not the Enterprise, but we had the wind at your back, Captain. And then he's going to say, well, we need Spock. And then we're going to cut to Sulu saying, we need Spock. <laughs> uh, and Sulu shakes his head and says, without an exact calculation, we could kill all of them. They're trying to disrupt life support inside the Enterprise. So basically, the Scotty Sulu storyline is going to be... Um, sabotaging or trying to sabotage the enterprise from within and mm. basically fighting against the hostage the vulcan hostage takers onside the enterprise so that's their storyline and um the vulcan leader is going to know that they're there and so we're going to have kind of a give and take um uh between uh the vulcan hostage takers and um Th this woman who's running the crew of Vulcans and uh, kind of a dynamic building between her and Uhura, of course. Mm -hmm. And um, Uhura is basically trying, she, well, Scotty, Sulu's trying to disable life support. Scotty's trying to disable the warp drive and Uhura is trying to get a signal to Spock. So we're going to have a scene where she goes back to her quarters and you're going to see a little mixing of African and Vulcan dynamic inside those quarters, a little, hint there that they still have something mm. and so she sends out a message that every time they come out of warp will automatically signal to try and um with a beacon that she and spock had set up together that's one particular between them so we cut to spock doing culinar similar to the culinar um purging of logic that was going on at the beginning of the motion picture. But this time mm -hmm. the group of Vulcans doing Kulinar don't have Vulcan to return to. So they're on a space station floating in the rubble of Vulcan under the Vulcan wow. sun. Interesting choice. Yeah. And this could be a really funny scene where Spock is in quiet meditation and Uhura's beacon starts beeping and everyone who's meditating kind of turns around and looks at Spock you know, <laughs> and mm -hmm, yeah. Spock has to like, like um, cell phone going off, right? Right, like a cell phone going off. And um, eventually we'll see Spock get up and he'll see, he'll see the signal breaking in and out, but he'll see that Uhura is in danger. We cut to um, Bones and Kirk and River on their small ship finding the Vulcan space station. And, you know, it, I think you could have some, like some kind of creepy scenes of them, like going through the, the rubble of Vulcan. Mm. And this plays into 
I want to give the rebels kind of like in the movie, the rock is one of the few movies where the terrorists and the hostage takers, you, you kind of understand where Ed Harris is coming from in the rock. Mm -hmm. And I want this scene to show where the Vulcans are coming from. Their planet is destroyed. Right. Their entire life and their way of life is gone. These people doing the culinary have to go on this shitty space station in the yeah. rubble of their planet to 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 do this so um <clears throat> so then once bones and kirk uh managed to get on to the space station they find spock and he's already packing <laughs> and yeah. he gives them a curious look and he says um i'm curious to the length of time that you took to get here captain and then kirk's gonna tell him jim call me jim Spock, we're not Starfleet anymore, but we do have a ship. Realize that we could face charges if we get involved and we have no service immunity. And Spock's going to raise an eyebrow and say, I did not believe you would have concern for regulations. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, McCoy's going to say, he doesn't, Spock. That's why we came to get you. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so right there, we, we've got to have the Spock mccoy bones dynamic and I yeah like, absolutely. the big yeah, three yeah and i like having them there the next scene is the balkan extremists using the enterprise to attack a klingon bioweapon lab in a big action scene where they're going to steal klingon viruses and at the last minute three klingon ships are going to decloak but the enterprise escapes so we know that um that this has happened. So the next scene is Kirk, Spock, and McCoy watching the recording from the bridge of the Enterprise where this Vulcan woman um, gives her speech about the Federation and they figure out that they attacked the Klingon weapons lab and that's the only clue they have so they have to go there because they used Uhura's tracking to figure out that they were at the bioweapons lab. Mm. However, it's very important that, you, that, we, that the audience notice a very subtle but Vulcan reaction that Spock has to seeing the woman um, in the video. Um, but we'll come back to that. Um, she, of course, gives a speech about threatening to restore balance to the universe by ending the Federation. Um, Kirk and River have a scene because it's important. River's the love interest of Kirk in this. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's, um, you know, this is going to be an important scene where they're going to be able to, to bond a little bit. And um, during this scene, McCoy is, is going to be saying, what is it about you and that woman? I saw your reaction. Spock will deny it. So McCoy and Spock have that scene. Uh, while that's happening, Kirk explains the dynamic between Spock and McCoy to River. And... Um, I, I think it'd be really funny if River's like, if she just says, McCoy's in love with him. <laughs> right? And then Kirk's going to be like, whoa, 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 no. He's like, they're brothers. They love and hate each other at the same time. And then she's like, no, I think he's in love with him. <laughs> and then um, I thought that would be kind of like a, like a funny scene. Uh, Spock figures out how to uh, follow them, follow the lead once uh, of the warp trail once they get to the Klingon bioweapons lab. But Kirk is saying, we've got to go see what they took. We need to know what they have. So they, um, they go to the Klingon lab and there they beam down and meet 
who I'm describing as the Klingon Doc Brown, um, huh. <laughs> and who's a crazed but clearly intelligent Klingon uh, scientist who says that they created a bioweapon that mutates to become deadlier with each planet that it infects and that it's highly contagious with a 99% death rate. Um, and if they apply it to any atmosphere, it's over, um, which is like a big deal. And then mm -hmm. he also says, oh, by the way, um, there's three Klingon battle cruisers in orbit. And then we cut to River and Spock and in, the, in the ship on, oh, it's McCoy and, and Kirk that beam down, by the way. And River and Spock are in the ship, and they watch three Klingon D7 battlecruisers um, mm. decloak. And um, Commander Kor, who is a famous Klingon from the original series and also appeared in an episode of Deep Space Nine, but in the Kelvinverse, he'll beam down to confront Kirk at the bioweapons lab. And um, so I like bringing in an old Klingon favorite. Mm. Um, Core um, basically tells Kirk, you know, I've got you. There's nothing you can do. And then Kirk's going to say, wait, you need us. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's the Enterprise. Nobody knows the Enterprise better than me. Um, and so then the, we'll cut to the next scene is the bridge of the Klingon ship. And Core turns around in his command chair as Kirk and the crew walk on the bridge of the Klingon battlecruiser. And he says, welcome special advisors to the Empire. Huh. Um, <laughs> so we get, um, so I, I like the idea of having Kirk be working with a Klingon commander and being on a Klingon ship. And um, River will say to Kirk, I don't like having my ship in a Klingon hangar bay. Um, and then McCoy will say, I don't think I'm ever going to smell right again, Jim. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, Spock's already working with a scientist. Cut to the Enterprise. Sulu, Scotty, and Uhura are eating in a Jeffrey's tube. And I just like the idea of them hiding <laughs> in a Jeffrey's tube having dinner because <laughs> they've got to eat at some point. But they're basically saying, like, we can't hide forever. There's only so much we can do. And then the Vulcans find them in that scene and capture them. We cut back to the Klingon ship. Kirk and Kor are having blood wine in private, and they talk about mutual respect for each other. And Kor tells him, um, you know, why, asks him why he left Starfleet. And Kirk talks about how he lost a crew member who was very important to him. And then Kor is going to say, to die in battle is a great honor. And Kirk's going to say, I don't, I don't know, I think growing old at home after... Uh, years of exploration is a great honor and then he's gonna he's basically core is going to give kirk this pep talk about you know you're a commander and you're gonna lose lives but you know he's like i would hate to lose you as an adversary basically hmm. and then kirk's gonna kirk's gonna you know take a drink and then core's gonna say come on kirk you've got a plan you always have a plan which i like the fact that, of course, saying that to him. Um, and then we'll cut to Sulu, Scotty, and Uhura captured and brought to the bridge. The Vulcan um, leader gives Sulu a speech about, um, and this gives Sulu a chance to stump a little bit for Federation ideals. 
And then she'll listen for a bit and then she'll say, and what a Vulcan, Uhura is about to speak. And then she says, too late for words, too late for words for Vulcan. And then the Enterprise comes out of warp over Rigel, the colony of Rigel. And then the Vulcan woman says, I want you to be here to watch as the first Federation world crumbles like Vulcan did. Hmm. And as they approach, they're preparing weapons. The Vulcan uh, woman gives a last warning to the colony to reject the Federation ideals and that she'll call off the attack if they, if they um, reject the Federation. And then um, they say, Commander, our signal's being blocked. And then there's a beeping on the bridge and Uhura is going to say, you're being hailed, mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then she's going to, the Vulcan woman's going to say, on screen. And Kirk is in the captain's chair of River's ship, little ship. And the woman says, Kirk, of course, you've come to save your ship. And she says, you will be killed and accomplish nothing. Another planet lost to your failure. Um, which, of course, she blames Kirk for being there when Vulcan, you know, and failing to save Vulcan. Mm -hmm. Kirk's going to say, we're willing to die if it stops you and saves the Federation. The Vulcan woman leans forward in the chair of the Enterprise and says, is he with you, Spock? And then Spock's going to walk into frame and say, I am here. And then she says, of course you are. And then Uhura standing there is going to say, Spock, how do you know her? Hmm. And then he's going to say, she is Tipring, my betrothed. Oh, look out. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, that's the big reveal. Hmm. And then he's going to say, I assumed your death on Vulcan. And then she's going to say, and you let your blood boil for another. You never even bothered to look for me. She turns to look at Uhura. It was her. Humans, even when they try to suppress their feelings, they can't hide them. Don't worry, my dear. I don't feel jealousy. Spock will only die. And <laughs> um, then she says, I, I watched my world crumble to ashes. That emotion, that, emo that emotion of, or oh, wait, excuse me, I forgot the line. Uh, Uhura's gonna say, right, like you don't feel emotion. Uh, like you don't feel anger. And then she's going to say, I watched my world crumble to ashes. That emotion I have embraced. Commander, attack the colony. And if Kirk gets in the way, photon torpedoes. Um, and uh, T'Pring looks right at Sulu directly and says, beam them down to Rigel. Let them watch a world burn. And then the three, Scotty, Sulu, and Uhura will be beamed off the bridge right to, to Rigel. Mm -hmm. And then as the Enterprise get closer, we cut to River's ship. And uh, Kirk says, to Pring, I'm giving you one last chance to surrender. And then she's basically going to, you know, because, you know, he's got this tidy ship. And then mm -hmm. when um, she she's, she cuts off the signal, Kirk says, Commander Corps. And then the three Klingon ships decloak. Oh, nice. And then... Um, this is the final battle. We have the ticking clock of the Enterprise trying to release the weapon on Rigel. You have um, um, the battle with the Klingons 
Kirk, Spock, and McCoy and River are going to beam, are going to use the distraction to take a shuttle onto the Enterprise, mm -hmm. and like you're going to have the big showdown with Supreme. Um, I don't have that broken down into details because it's it's just it's a big battle. But basically, they're going to um, they're you know they're going to win. They're going to stop Tapring. They're going to capture her. Um, I think in the end, Kirk Sulu is going to offer Kirk the ca the captain's chair, but I think Kirk's going to let him have it. Um, how they end, it's a question to me. How the Kelvin verse fourth movie ends is: Are you ending it as the final movie, or are you going to have them have further adventures? Because that makes a total difference on how you end the movie. If you're going to end the movie with further adventures, Kirk accepts the captain's chair back. Sulu gets his own ship, um, and uh, the crew is back together. Um, and then it, I like the bookends with Sulu. I, it's really important to me that Sulu be a good captain, <laughs> mm -hmm. and that he have success in the beginning. And um, the end is, I don't have as clear as all the scenes leading up mm -hmm. to it, but um, yeah, so that's my, that's my Kelvin movie. Uh, nice. Um, it's very exciting. <laughs> um, to me, the most important thing, the how you, the, these are all the keys, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to have a villain that comes from the original series. But mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to have somebody who was a villain. Although T'Pring's role in Amok Time is not, you know, she's going to get Kirk and Spock killed in that episode in mm -hmm. order to end up with the man that she wants. So we know that T'Pring is a bit of a cunning Vulcan to begin with. So mm -hmm. she sees the death of her world. She could become that extremist mm -hmm. who uh, wants to take down the Federation. There's a lot of details that you would have to fill in and a lot of gaps that you have to do, but that's the basic structure of it. Mm -hmm. And um, I like having the arc of Kirk's motivation for leaving Starfleet to be uh, Chekhov's death. Mm -hmm. um, I like Sulu getting a chance in the captain's chair. And um, I think the separating of the crews and having Kirk McCoy and Spock be out of Starfleet. Spock left Starfleet for a different reason. He's, he hinted that he was going to do it and beyond to help out the other Vulcans. I believe he's there for Kulinar. I think McCoy just basically went to save his friend, right? Mm -hmm. So I had, in my head, he probably stayed on the Enterprise with Sulu for a while, but then was like, you know what? I got, I got to help my buddy Jim. So he mm -hmm. hatches the plan to basically arrest him to trap yeah. him and arrest him in order to save him. And um, and I kind of get the idea that River already had like a thing for Kirk at the Academy or whatever, and so was down for, for McCoy's plan. Mm -hmm. And you could have some fun dynamic there with, you know, you always, you, you know, you, you pulled me into this because you knew I liked him <laughs> and that kind of thing. So you could yeah. do that, but I don't know, anyways, I don't know if you have any other thoughts, but that that's that's my um, that's my pitch for, for <laughs> How do you think you would feel if you came out of the theater seeing that movie? Yeah, I'd be stoked. I, it's, 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 it sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. I like the nods to the original series, <laughs> and um, and I think your idea of, of splitting them up and then giving people specific jobs of what what to do throughout the movie will keep everyone busy and also give everyone a chance to shine which is really important. Often, I think some of 
Sulu and Uhura um, get, get kind of pushed to the side often. So well, it's I nice think that's, to see them. that's a lesson Leonard Nimoy learned with Star Trek Three. Um, mm. You know, because he wanted, I think Leonard Nimoy made sure in Star Trek Three that everyone had a role in stealing the Enterprise and all that. Mm. And, and, and through Star Trek Four, um, you know, they definitely knew that, that everyone in the crew had to play a role. And, yeah. and um, you know, some of the stuff with Chekhov's death, I think, needs to be a little bit clearer. I think maybe some people might want to do flashbacks. Uh, I don't think that you need to do that. I think, um, you know... It could even be talked about in a monologue, and it could have used something in dialogue. Yeah, I or, think... Or very, or very, very obtuse kind of flashbacks. Yeah, know, and, really I, and I really like the idea of Commander Core, like the Klingon commander and mm. Kirk, um, having this moment. Um, because the Klingons would have a completely different viewpoint. They would say, like, what's the big deal? Right, right. And, and, um, and so I think Kirk would want to use that. I think that works because... Kirk would reject the notion of Core saying that it's no big deal, but at the same time, under getting a lesson from him, I'm like, you know, I I can't forget the the, the sacrifice, you know, mm-hmm. and you know what, what I what I would like to see in, in that when his dealings with the the Klingon commander, mm-hmm. when the Klingon guy's addressing him, he should be dressing him down, yeah, and like kind of like also like. Because to them, that 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 the way he's feeling would be like ridiculous. So yeah. I think he, he, I think he would look at Kirk with with contempt. Yeah. And I, and I think that exactly. that and that kind of contempt for uh, your adversary, I think, would also kind of get Kirk's back up, because you know power meets power right. with that guy. You know what I mean? So that could probably be something that really in, inspires him, kind of maybe brings him back to himself. Right. And also, like this, this the the Kirk in the in the in the, the um in these films, he hasn't grown into the Kirk of the TV show or the original series movies yet. Mm-hmm. And but you see glimpses of that, and it's not. And that's one of the things I like so much about these movies is it's time travel with consequences, and the consequences reverberate throughout the other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that'd be really cool. Uh, another thing off the top of my head that's going to be challenging for you as the writer is when you do the 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 Vulcan um, uh, extremists uh, and then the Vulcan uh, woman in particular with her speech, it's going to be difficult, but you have to make sure that everything is earned mm-hmm. for the way that they're feeling, you know, because like obviously not supposed to have feelings. So to kind of justify their actions and, and you're gonna have to really get the logic, even if it's skewered logic, you're gonna to have to really get that very clear and down to a particular you know, science for them. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted, wanted Spock to be doing Kulinar mm. in the, in the uh, rubble. Of, yeah, and that's a, that's a great idea. And the visual from that could be really, really cool. And, yeah. and, and, and stunning, take people aback when they see it. Yeah, in in a reminder for everyone, just the, mm-hmm. the depths of all of it. We that's why you would have to show, even if it was small flashes. I think also the the situation on the cling uh, on the uh, Vulcan refugee planet should be pretty gnarly, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that they're victims to Orion 
pirates in the beginning is showing that, you know, they don't feel any safety. They feel abandoned by the Federation, which of course mm -hmm. is similar themes that we had in Picard. Yeah. But but um, but with the the Federation too, you know, you know, uh, in Search for Spock, when Kirk's like, hey, you know, my my friend's got Spock's soul in his head, and we think Spock could be out there. And what do they do? They're like, oh, sorry, you can't you can't go there. Like, <laughs> right. It, 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 and then the same thing happens in like in uh wrath of khan you see it too the federation great ideals but there, there's always going to be bureaucrats yeah when there's when there's human hierarchies and politics to be played so and then kirk definitely would despise the the bureaucrats it, that seems and then it always comes up you see, you see it in picard and then you see it in the in the original stuff too mm -hmm. you know and, and you would see it in this as well you know i'm sure that would be able to come out in some way yeah, and this is just a this is just a pitch. Obviously, when writers sit down to write a story, like mm -hmm. it, you know, you, you fix a lot, and actors fix dialogue, and and sometimes you 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 overdo, especially in a pitch or in an outline, you're trying to get the broad strokes of the story. Mm -hmm. um, and for this, like basically, w the whole experiment for me was just that uh, I when I saw this article from the Forbes you know that 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 you know paramount's trying to fix this i it just mm -hmm. i thought it was a fun experiment to try and think about you know like well how how would i do this and 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 how would i as a star trek fan want to see it? instead of just saying like i i want them to to fix it mm -hmm. and the thing about it is is i do think that this story would i think some of the star trek fans would be like that's too actiony it's you know and they might and look, me as a Star Trek purist, it's it's hard for me to imagine that it would be that easy to take the Enterprise hostage. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I think, you know, there's there's ways around that. And it happened several times in the original series. So. Yeah, big time. I think yeah. for a lot of people who who, who criticize some stuff in the, uh, in, in the most recent movies need to go back and watch the original show because there's some kind of wild stuff that... <laughs> happens without necessarily being justified on there but but you know what I, what i like about the, the the jj's take on the two movies and i liked and i liked beyond as well as i feel like for a movie to really make it work you, you need the characters mm -hmm. and and you and you and you need um something that's more, a little more epic that's really big scale you know so i think the character work that that he did in the first movie like I, I told you on the one podcast when we talked, like like it brought me to tears that scene when um, uh, Chris Hemsworth is uh, going to his death and, as, and and Kirk's being born and he's asking his wife with the baby, you know, what should we name him and, and all that. And, and when I re repeatedly watch that movie, it always moves me that scene. And, um, and then also the the epic nature of it where there's there's time travel, there's the giant Romulan ship, they blow up Vulcan. Like it's like there's consequences, there's actions, and the story is huge. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really serves a, a movie well. And I think that also when it, when you can find sci-fi that speaks to a, a current situation that humanity's dealing with, it, you can you can always make really great points. And you saw that in Into Darkness. And what sold me on Into Darkness was you know the 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 parallels between the war in Afghanistan, hiring you know, mercenary groups to do government work and how that can lead to, you know, corruption and, and then 
things being hidden from the people. And again, you know, like somebody who is a, an authoritarian taking a, you know, taking the lead behind the scenes while bureaucrats just kind of pack feathers where their spine should be, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, I think that there's elements in, in those movies that, that definitely could ring true in your pitch for your story as well. Totally. So um, to close off this, this episode, we're going to go through, I'm going to review the, the, the keys and we're going to see how we, how we met the keys. Mm. Pitch. So key number one is that is the Kelvin versus tone and energy. So I, I, I think I, we got that. Yeah. I think we got that with the action. Uh, mm. Key number two, um, the film should not be super expensive. Well, it, yeah, it be pretty expensive. However, a lot of the action does take place on board the Enterprise, mm -hmm. and that's going to be standing sets, so we can keep a lot of that down. So save it for the big set pieces. Yeah, keep, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and um, and you could um, most of the uh, you wouldn't have a lot of exterior locations. Um, you could do sets for for most of it. Um, key number three. Uh, Rathacon level of villain that's taken from the original series. I think mm -hmm. T'Pring could be a great villain. Um, mm -hmm. Her connection to Spock is a great twist. Mm -hmm. um, and um, played by Tatiana Malzani. Um, She'd kill it. She would be great. Um, and uh, I think would be really, really, really great villain. She plays a, a really great character on per on the, the reboot of Perry Mason. Um, mm. She plays a, uh, a 1930s, like, um, snake oil uh, religious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah, she's great. Key number four, um, tie the character and story arcs back to the first Kelvin film, mm -hmm. uh, which we did that with the destruction of Vulcan and, and that going on, so. Key number four is met. Key number five, the story should honor and explain Chekhov's absence in the um, tragic death of Ad Anton Yelchin mm -hmm. that we took care of with Kirk's motivation for leaving Starfleet. Um, key number six, Roddenberry's sense of federation should be in peril. Um, the, I think this story is a federation-wide uh, movie-worthy um, event because I think with the movies you have to have the higher stakes so that's mm -hmm. what I was going for for key number six but you get a chance to affirm Federation values one-on-one uh, -on -one with the Klingon commander and one-on-one -on -one with um, the Vulcans extremists um, in the scenes where you confront them and the final hardest key is keep all Star Trek fans as happy as possible I don't know if it's possible but I mm -hmm. think there's things for the more cerebral fans with some of the slower moments involving um, the Kulinar on Vulcan, there's, there, there's some of those moments, but I think it, it more leans towards the, the Kelvin verse on purpose. Mm. So that may be the one that uh, I don't think we're meeting quite as much. So um, yeah, I tried to, to hit all those keys. Um, and then the other key is something to do for all the, the characters. Mm -hmm. and and um yeah i think i think that you hit them all yeah and uh so yeah that that's that's the pitch for um star trek four um kelvin four mm -hmm. um 
And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, uh, Tom, I love having you uh, to talk Star Trek. So um, I'm still waiting for you to watch Discovery so we can... <laughs> So we could do uh, an episode on Spock arcs. Um, oh, that'd be fun, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so get on uh, Star Trek Discovery. And for those of you who have listened this long, thanks for listening. Um, I appreciate uh, the attention. If you like my pitch, share it around. Um, if you know, if you have friends who are uh, big fans of the Kelvin movies, who um, are interested in an idea of where this could go share it with them um, and hopefully they'll enjoy it. And maybe they'll share it too. Cause who knows, maybe Emma Watts will get really smart and pluck me out <laughs> of San Diego and have me write Star Trek uh, four um, and uh, bring back all the crew. Uh, that would be awesome. So thanks for having, uh, thanks for coming on Tom. Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, we'll see you folks on the next episode of Star Trek story, myth and arcs.